Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. We're always telling people, run for something, get involved, get involved in your community. Well, Sharnay Jones is someone who has done just that for the last four years, or almost four years now. She has been mayor of the borough of Braddock. She'll be stepping down at the end of this year. She has decided not to run again. Uh, I was curious, what were her experiences serving as mayor? Why did she decide to run in the first place? She is also a writer and editor and has a life outside of politics. I was curious about that. And then also maybe to find out what her plans are uh, for future community involvement. Uh, Good morning, Mayor Jones. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for taking some time to to talk with us this morning. Uh, First off, I gave you the little uh, introduction, a little bio. What can I add to that? You're a lifelong resident of Braddock. Am I correct about that? That is correct. And I also, my my full-time job is I work as a business analyst in the IT department for um, HM Health Solutions, which is Highmark's IT company. Oh, sure. I don't know. I don't know how I got into that because I went to school for writing, (laughs) but but it just connected the dots to one another. I went to school for writing, too, and I don't know how I got into this. So there just must be must be something (laughs) about going into going to school for for writing. Um, I, if I remember correctly, too, your family has had some involvement in different community groups and in volunteering. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Yes. Some of the biggest advocates in my family is my uncle, Lou. He um, he was actually he used to work for UPMC and he retired from there and he was fighting for um, he was fighting for a union there. OK. And he was always on the news trying to un- unionize UPMC employees. He is very vocal in, in the community. He started the 15104 initiative, which gets people involved in the entire 15104, which is Rankin, North Braddock, and Braddock. And my uncle, Lauren, he is actually one of our council members. He's been on council in Braddock for long as I can remember, since we don't have term limits. Mm-hmm. But he does such a great job with the youth that we need him. He is the vice president right now. And my mom is actually going to be on council uh, if she wins the November election, yeah. which my fingers crossed that I think she has it since she she um she won the primary. So she'll be on the ballot. The person, the incumbent um, lost the primary and decided that he was going to run a writing campaign because why not? <laughs> well, that, that a lot of that going around. Uh, mayor Charday Jones is mayor of Braddock Borough. You have a website, too, a, a personal website. Give us your website address. So people can find your work. Yes. My, my website is www.omgitsjustday.com. D-A-E. And day is Yep. <laughs> DAE. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on you. Uh, Charday Jones is mayor of Braddock. Uh, she has been mayor for, she'll be finishing up her term here on uh, December 31st of this year. And I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about that and what she's learned. I, I think there's a lot of misconception about what these jobs are and what they do. What What is the job of a mayor in a town like Braddock? Oh, the mayor used to oversee the police department. The mayor used to break ties. 
uh, for council disputes. Like anytime there was a tie, the mayor could do that. And the mayor could cut ribbon. Um, it's a weak mayor system. So council has to agree on like everything. And I said the mayor used to be able to do those things. Um, when home rule was passed, I believe last year, COVID has like dates and years all. Oh, I I like we've, been this, we've been in this forever. But um, when home rule was passed, uh, they took that power away from the mayor. So um, they also added a seventh seat and the police is overseen by the borough manager. And I was like, that that doesn't create a lot of transparency there. Um, so now I get to break ties. Ties don't really happen anymore because the seven seven seats. Yeah. I think people think it's that that being the job that the job of a mayor, a that pays a lot of money in in a borough and that B that you're like, uh, Bill Peduto or, um, Bill de Blasio in New York or something like you have all this power and all this prestige that comes with being the mayor of a borough. And it, it, it has always struck me that it's actually a lot of hard work with sometimes not a lot of people saying thank you. It is a thankless job. I get $100 a month to be the mayor. It's like having an entire full-time job with um, not even part-time pay. I would say like work-study pay. $100. And, and council, I think, gets paid even, borough council gets paid even less, correct? No, we all get the same oh, amount. Oh, it's all the same? The same, the same $100. Uh, so, so the question then is raised, why does someone want to run for these jobs? Why did you run for the job in the first place? I ran for the job to help out my community to figure out how exactly government was working so I could figure out what was working and what is not working. And I wasn't surprised to find out that most of it is is not working. Um, I actually uh, proposed term limits because we've had a lot of people in the same seats for like a decade. And I was like, we can't expect the same people to keep running and keep running and expect different results because that's just insanity. Where's your earliest involvement uh, in in the borough? You you talked about your uncle and your mom and and some other folks in your family who were involved um, in in the union or or in different community groups. When did you start getting involved uh, as as a young person? I got involved, I want to say 2013, I did AmeriCorps and I did the Braddock Youth Program where I... um, I helped create a job readiness program out of a cafe. Okay. And the kids got, the teenagers got to serve the kids free summer lunches on the playground that they cooked and they created a menu for. Was that, was that weird at all working in your hometown? Because I know a lot of times with AmeriCorps, they send you far away someplace else. Was it, was it weird to be working in your hometown with AmeriCorps? No, I actually requested to be in my hometown. Where did you go to school at? I didn't, I don't think I asked that. I went to Carlo University. Okay. And before that, I was a Whitland Hills graduate. And, and, and you mentioned that your degree is in, in writing. What kinds of writing have you been doing? Because I, I do know from your website that you, you help edit other people's writing. You help get their, their writing ready for publication. Yes, I do any type of writing that you could possibly think of from even the boring stuff. I, I can do <laughs> and I get it done. Um, I help people publish, uh, self-publish their, their books because uh, I was signed to a vanity publisher at one point in time. And I didn't like the fact that the vanity publisher was taking 50% of everything. And I was like, you're not even marketing my book. Um, you're, you're not editing. So I'm like, what do you get 50% for? So I figured out how to publish so I can show other people how to publish. Has your has your writing helped inform your political views at all? I mean, because some people sort of work out 
what they're thinking about through their writing. I know I do sometimes. Writing it down sometimes helps me think. Yeah. And I guess also a leg up that I have being involved in writing communications is um, I also write the press releases. Like whenever I really need the news to pick up something, I'm like, hey, here's this press release of this thing that's happening that everybody should know about. Well, one of your your pieces of writing went viral here, and, and I don't I, I don't know how far we want to get into the subject, but I, I do want to ask you about it. And that was the piece that you wrote about uh, Superior Motors uh, and about uh, celebrity chef, I guess he's called uh, Kevin Souza, who opened a new restaurant uh, on the Mount Oliver uh, section of town. Uh, you wrote a piece that really uh, examined some of the relationships that Superior Motors had with Braddock and how that relationship was, was problematic. Uh, summarize that a little bit for us, if you can. It was basically about the fact that when one of the investors of the, the restaurant said, yeah, we didn't expect for him to leave. Uh, the chef was supposed to be here for an X amount of time and the chef was not. Um, it made me look into the history of the chef. And I saw that there was a pattern of these neighborhoods he would go into and he would kind of get bored. And I was like, I, I feel like it's kind of, um, you. it's, uh, I'm trying to find that it's, it's frustrating one because you're a part of the community and you become a part of this ecosystem of jobs and whatnot. And you're uproot just because you can uproot yourself so easily. Someone can't just be like, Hey, I lost my job. I can find another job as quick as the chef can find another restaurant. That is, I was like, that's, you, you have to have roots in these places. You can't just take them on as if they were hobbies. You have to treat it very seriously. Yeah, and just background for, for people who maybe are, have not followed this or who are not as, as online as some other people, Superior Motors was a, was a restaurant that was intended to be sort of a, a prestigious restaurant. Uh, it opened near uh, the Edgar Thompson Works, a U.S. steel plant in, in Braddock on Braddock Avenue, with great fanfare, with great attention from the media. Um, Kevin Souza, who, who is the celebrity chef who, who opened the restaurant, he had previously opened restaurants, in East Liberty, but as the mayor alluded to, those restaurants closed, and then Superior Motors closed during the pandemic and has not reopened, um, but the chef has moved on to a new restaurant, which also is getting great media attention, and that's in, in Mount Oliver. So it, your argument in your piece that I thought was very well done, which is probably why it went viral everywhere, um, was that there is there is a pattern that nobody seems to want to be talking about, and still, other than <laughs> you and I right now, and, and the few people... Doesn't, doesn't seem to no one seems to be talking about it exactly and um what struck me about this particular restaurant is like it made times magazine yeah like it made their their uh best places to visit in the country and there was actually an episode of anthony verdane's yep. uh show and he uh he was sitting down with uh fetterman and lieutenant governor the- lieutenant governor fetterman your predecessor as mayor yes yeah and they said Oh, we like this place because it's like the he called it the the wire experience. And I was Yikes. like, oh, yes. I was like, Co- comparing what? it to the HBO TV show. Yes. Yeah. I was like, that's that's not cool. We're, we're going to pause right there to, to let that sink in. Uh, Charday Jones is mayor of Braddock. Give us your website address again, mayor, because I stepped on you when you were giving it. Yes, it is www.omgitsjustday.com, and day is spelled D-A-E. 
or just uh, Google her name, Sade Jones, and it will come up. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the borough of Braddock, what needs you have seen in the community, and uh, going forward, what some goals that you would hope the community would work on, okay? Okay. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at Striffler's.com or call 412-678-6191. When we took the break, we were talking about uh, the celebrity chef Kevin Souza, who opened a restaurant in Braddock that uh, is currently closed. Uh, he has moved on to another project, which has attracted uh, some scrutiny from you and, and from other folks in the community. Uh, that Superior Motors space, which was renovated, it's kind of it, it, as you're coming into the borough of Braddock from North Braddock, you get off the Triborough Expressway. It's at a very prominent intersection in the borough. Are you hearing anything new about the space? Is there anything uh, coming to that space that you've heard? The investor is interviewing chefs to okay. see what what the next feel is. He wants it to be meaningful and inclusive. Um, I don't know if you know about Superior Motors, but previously um, it wasn't very affordable mm-hmm. for residents of Braddock because it was um, fine dining with the tiny plating. And he's uh, the investor is seeing what his next move could be. So it might be a little bit more uh, working class accessible to the rest of us who are not looking for it. It was kind of an event experience, I think, is what it was pitched at, right? It was like a high-end event experience, and it sounds like maybe they're going for something that's a little more accessible to everyday, ordinary people. I would hope so. There has been a lot of transformation in Braddock over the last uh, 10 or 20 years. Um, When I worked for Kennywood back in the 90s and we would go over to Braddock, I mean, the the whole landscape of the borough has changed. Uh, The the O-Ringer building uh, is is exciting. Uh, The Civic Plaza is exciting. Uh, There's some new houses uh, in the borough. Talk about that transformation, Um, because if you haven't been to Braddock in a while, um, there does seem to be an energy there. There does seem to be a, a spark there. Yes. Um, it's a, I say I'd rather have slow and steady uh, development that is more meaningful and involved with the community than have uh, someone throw money at us and we quickly do it and we get what East Liberty got. <laughs> it's like, which is, we the, don't which is people got chased out, right? People who lived there their yeah. whole lives, you know, lost their houses, lost their apartments in, in places people like East Liberty. People created the culture of East Liberty. They actually like they couldn't afford to live there anymore. So what we're doing is very interesting. It's called the Braddock Business Community Initiative. And in our business district, we want we have um, about 55 uh, properties on Braddock Avenue, which are some of them are dilapidated structures and some of them are just lots. So we created a committee of residents and business owners that when people come to buy these buildings to renovate them, they have to go to this committee and say, hey, this is the idea. I want a hat shop or I think this should be a grocery store. And the resident committee gets to be like, hey, we should give it to these people. So we're kind of like gatekeeping gentrification type thing by using the community to help us develop. Yeah, Gentrification is a word that 
gets tossed around a lot, and and I don't think people really realize that it is. It's people who who have helped stabilize the community, who have invested in the community, who've stayed there their whole lives, kind of getting chased out by new and by new investment. It's it's not just that oh things are being made pretty. It's that as you said in East Liberty, people who contributed to the culture of the town or of the neighborhood didn't get to share in the the benefits when it started to rebound. Exactly. What is the culture of Braddock? Talk a little bit about, um, I mean, you've, you've stayed in, you've stayed in Braddock when you clearly could have moved on. And and people ask me the same thing in McKeesport. You've stayed in McKeesport and you could have moved on. What, what has kept you in Braddock? Uh, first, uh, the culture of Braddock is very interesting. Everyone kind of knows everyone and you can play six degrees of separation very quickly. (laughs) Um, and I enjoy that like there are generations of people who like grew up here and they're like my great, great, great person grew up here. And I was like, you're still here. And it's like, everybody's waiting for um, the next big thing to happen in Bright because people are like, if I move away and they redevelop, I'm going to be like, Oh, I missed out. And what I enjoyed that, that the pandemic showed us is when we need each other, like we don't have a grocery store here. When we need each other, we show up for each other. Like we created a system during the pandemic that um, this system was dropping off food at people's houses on their porch, like, cause they didn't have cars. So we'd be like, hey, so-and-so needs food. Can you go to the food bank and drop it off on their porch? And we were finding people that were volunteering to do this. You, 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 where does that come from? Because not every community, there are other communities up and down the Mon Valley that where people have stayed there their whole lives, but they don't have that system of interconnectedness. Where do you think that comes from, that, that people actually want to help? Because there, there, have been initi- there have been many initiatives like the Free Store, I, I think about, mm-hmm. or the, the Braddock uh, Business Community Initiative, or, or these different networks that have evolved that, I mean, like the Free Store just gives things away. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's 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 is exactly what it says. It's free. Um, that is not something that happens everywhere else. Why, Brad? Yeah, I, I think it happens here because of the fact that we kind of create like this. Even though we don't all know each other, we kind of look out for each other's na- neighbor because we're like all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially during the pandemic, we're like, we're all struggling. We're all at home by ourselves. I can drop you some food off. What, what are the big needs in the community? You, you, you touched on one already, which is there is no grocery store. And, and Braddock is one of many communities up and down the valley that is kind of a food desert, meaning th- there are dollar stores and there are convenience stores, but there are not a, not a place where you would go to get fresh produce, for instance, yeah, or I fresh don't... meat. I don't understand why we have three grocery, not three grocery stores. I wish we had three grocery stores, three corner stores and a three block radius. Yeah. (laughs) There's a corner store in every corner. That are selling snacks and pop, basically. Yeah. Yeah. We need groceries. We need a grocery store. Um, No matter how you put it, we we have to go two neighborhoods over, whether which direction you go to, it, it doesn't matter. You have to go over two neighborhoods to find a grocery store so you're going either to north for sales or braddock hills or or uh the waterfront waterfront. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and i've reached out to the grocery stores and no one seems very interested in um 
putting a grocery store out here. Even if it was something small, mom and pop, that would be awesome. How about transportation? Because that's something we often hear in, in the Valley that is an obstacle for people, especially if you don't own a car. And I know an increasing number of people who would like to give up their car because it's expensive. But transportation often is a is a barrier. Is that a barrier in Braddock too? Yeah, we have like, I think there's about two or three buses that will get you downtown. And none of them are express bus. So of course, you got to transfer to the busway to get downtown in a, in a, in any type of, because if you don't go to the uh, busway, you will spend about an hour and a half to get downtown. And there's no way. I was like, I used to actually catch the bus all the way downtown. And I was like, there's no way that this is feasible. Like someone, you're missing a whole hour and a half of your day just to get downtown, which could in essence be a 30 minute ride. And, and and we have another break coming up, but I want to ask you about where where do people who live in Braddock work then? Because we actually had somebody on for Labor Day who's a steel worker at Edgar Thompson Works, but he grew up in Braddock, but he doesn't live there anymore. Where, where there there is this you you have one of the last operating steel mills in the Mon Valley right there in town, but my sense is a lot of people who work at the steel mill don't live in the town. Correct? That is very correct. Uh, most people in Braddock, they're like. They work, I think you're, they're your essential workers, your grocery store workers, your nurses, like, you know, most, uh, there's a decent chunk of the population that is elderly and they vote in every election, mind you, but they're also retired. And they're, tra- but the people who are working are traveling to Monroeville or downtown Pittsburgh or Oakland yes, or something for jobs. Absolutely. And I'm actually very excited that finally Port Authority sees what we've been saying all along that why don't you just extend the busway and through Braddock and they want to actually do that all the way down to Monroeville. I would think that would be amazing if you guys made it happen finally. Let's pause right there. When we come back, I want to talk about the process that you went through when you ran for office and what advice you would have for someone else who maybe is thinking of running for school board or their borough council or township supervisor or something like that, okay? Okay. From the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. What was the process for running for office? Because I, I think that's another thing that people, you know, just as they think that the, the mayor of, of a borough is like all powerful or something, uh, I, I think they also think it's like super difficult to, to get on the ballot. What did you have to go through to get on the ballot four years ago? Um, it's actually, it was actually more simple than I thought it would be. Um, I did it especially to teach people how to run. And <laughs> I had to just get a petition to uh, get on the ballot. And on the petition, I had to get a certain percentage of um, signatures. And I think it only turned out to like 20 signatures. And you don't even have to pay anything to get this petition, which is pretty cool. And I I turned in my petition because getting signatures was not hard. I just knocked on everybody's doors and they were used to seeing me because I'm always canvassing for someone. Mm -hmm. Before I even got into politics, I was always canvassing for someone's campaign. And after I got on the ballot, I knocked on people's doors again and said, don't forget to actually vote now that I'm on the ballot. And I have to say that was that was very awesome for my mom to say that she voted for me for mayor because she she also lives in Braddock. And 
what I appreciate most about this process is now I've created some type of transparency and I got two more people on the ballot. Um, I got a millennial to run for council and we haven't had a millennial council in ages. What was the campaigning like? I mean, did, did people tell you their problems and what kind of problems did they share with you? Yeah, I would knock on people's door. I'd ask them, hey, how were they? And I'd say, like, what do you think this community needs? And a lot of people don't do that. They, a lot of politicians come in and they say, hey, this is what your community needs. And I'm like, no, ask the people what they need. You need, they need jobs. They need job training. They need education, um, secondary education training, like getting high schoolers ready for college. Uh, the senior citizens, they want more programming for senior citizens, which, um, I hadn't really, I was like, oh, there's a lot of programming for kids. But since we are most, a decent amount of us are um, senior citizens in this community. So I was like, okay, programming. And just seeing some of this stuff come into fruition is amazing. There's a little bit of red tape for some of the other stuff. And I was like, some of this stuff I can actually do. What would you like to see uh, whoever gets elected um in November and takes over in January, who, who, what would you like to see them tackle in the borough? Because you are going to go from being the mayor to being a, just, a, just a citizen again. So now you're going to be mm-hmm. a constituent. <laughs> so now now you can uh, tell them what you want. You can be, you, you're you on the other side of that process again. Uh, what are you hoping that they will tackle? I'm hoping that person knocks down some barriers and creates actual uh, transparency. Um, we don't really have many committees in our government structure like a parks committee would be nice like having committees where the public can attend these com- committees to express hey i want to get involved like I, you don't know how many people have approached me and say hey how do i get involved i was like if we had this thing here we could put residents on these committees to see how some of the government is working also we we have to address the revolving door of police officers we have a part-time police department I'm going to stand by it every time. I think we should have a full-time police department. And if that means we have to regionalize our police department force, we should absolutely do it. Yeah, that, I, I didn't want to get into necessarily that, that issue, especially since we are almost out of time. But yeah, there was a discussion about regionalizing the police with the neighboring communities. And I guess that was voted down by the other communities. Yes, it was. It literally is uh, an issue of too many chiefs <laughs> because... <laughs> With the new with the sure. new structure that was proposed, there would only be one chief. One police chief, and yeah. No one, no one really liked that. And I was like, the current structure that we have isn't su- sustainable at all. And, and that is a problem that other communities up and down the valley are facing. I, I think that's not a Braddock problem. That's a problem all the way probably down to the West Virginia line that so many of these towns are small. I mean, Braddock is about how many people? About 2,000 people? Not even. We're shrinking. Okay. So. That's that's hard to sustain a full time police department with yes. yeah two thousand people yeah, and with that's not saying that um any of the like we don't have a visible police presence um outside of Braddock Avenue I'm like I never see like a patrol car unless yeah. it's the chief on the way to his house because he recently moved to uh, Braddock we, we are short on time what would be your advice if somebody hears this and, and they, like I said they want to run for school board or mayor or borough council. What's some advice that you can give to them? Where should they start out at? They should absolutely start out by attending the council meetings or the school board meetings. That's where I started out. I wanted to know what was going on. And then after I figured out what was going on, I was I was like, I want to know why government isn't working. 
And then I got involved in government and I was like, now I see why government isn't working. And what are your future plans once once you're uh, no longer making the big $100 a month as mayor? I'm going to help more people run and get on the ballot. Since we can't have term limits, I want to flip these seats that people have been si- sitting in for decades. That's pre- <laughs> that's pretty cool. How, if people want to get in touch with you and they're in the Woodland Hills area or they're outside the area, uh, your website is the best place or Facebook? How will they get in touch with you? Uh, my website, Facebook is great. I've had some people message me on Instagram, which is J-U-S-T-D-A-E, just day. Um, that's the best way to get in touch with me. I'm very receptive and I love to help people and let people pick my ear about what they want to run for. Thank you for taking some time to talk with us. Sharday Jones is mayor of Braddock. Uh, she's been mayor for four years. You can find her online at OMG. It's just day, D-A-E dot com. You can find her as well on Instagram and Facebook at Mayor Sharday Jones. Mayor Jones, thank you so much and uh, good luck. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening today to Two Rivers 30 Minutes broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.